0: Chris Hewitt and welcome to the latest in our series of spoiler specials and the latest in our series of spoiler specials dedicated to the new Star Wars TV show, The Mandalorian. Yes, indeed. The other day we covered chapters one and two. And from this point on, we're going weekly as indeed the show is on Disney+. Plus. So today we are going to be discussing chapter three of Jon Favreau's dusty, dirty vision, The Sin. Oh. Joining me to discuss the sin are three of my finest colleagues of such lethal cunning. If I'm ever pinned down under heavy blaster fire with a a baby in one arm and a giant rifle in another, these are the guild members I can rely upon to bail my ass out. Geek Queen, Helen O'Hara.
1: Does this mean we get jetpacks? Hooray!
0: Um, we'll have to look into the budget for that. That might, be, that might be a bit of a problem, but I'm sure we can discuss it with, uh, with HR and accounts. Um, uh, we're also joined by the living embodiment of Baby Yoda,
2: Ben Travis. Hello. Yeah, I'm not sweeping in to save you, Chris. I'm sweeping in to save Baby Yoda, but you happen to be near him. So that means <laughs> that you're also getting protected by proxy.
0: This is good. You're Baby Yoda adjacent. Baby Yoda adjacent. Baby Yoda adjacent. Anyway. Uh, And we're also joined by the living embodiment of the ravaged remnants of the Empire. It is, of course, full-time Lobot impersonator, James Dyer. Hence my username on here, ilobot. I'm quite proud of (laughs) yes we should discuss this because we're doing this on Squadcast uh, in case people uh, want to know what we're using it's a very very good what is it is it an app is it a service what is it James it's a a remote
3: podcasting platform but unlike a lot of the other ones it gives you a video component not to record but just so you can see each other's pleasant beautiful beatific faces while recording
0: so we can get naked and stuff like that. But mainly yes. it's, no, it's so, uh, no, absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> it's mainly so we can see whenever we're talking and we can raise our hands and whatnot. But the sound quality is really good because it records everybody as an individual audio track. Which is fantastic. So check it out. If you're a podcaster, you're at home, and let's, let's be honest, we're all now podcasting. Uh, everyone in the world has has become a podcaster as a result of the coronavirus crisis. Uh, check out Squadcast. Um, do, do we get any commission if we send them? Absolutely up? none, <laughs> no, except for don't. goodwill. Okay. I had a chat with the guy who
3: founded it because he was doing the tech tech support personally when I was trying to sort something out. He really, yeah. that's nice. That's lovely. Okay. It's, it's, it's like yeah, it's a startup person. There's two guys who started it, and he was just doing the tech support himself. I was like, oh hi, great platform. <laughs> That's good. That's that. Yeah. What's his name?
0: Oh, I can't remember. Jeff. <laughs> uh, so anyway, podcast has a video uh, component as well, and so we each give ourselves amusing usernames before each session. So James is Ilobot. Helen is the Armorer, and has dressed head to toe in um in in, in sort of armor. Let's say armor. armor. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say I was going to say leather there, but I didn't want to. Uh, you know. Excite a certain demographic of the of listenership.
1: It's mostly lycra, if I'm honest, so that's not even good.
0: Well, that hasn't helped. Uh, so <laughs> uh, ben is simply called the child. He's leaning Aww. into the whole thing. I mean, there's no other choices there. What's in that in right? every is sense, that even a- in
2: Empire Magazine, I am the child.
0: If I was going a character Star Wars in Randallora, I don't even get it. Ben may not technically be old enough to be part of this podcast, <laughs> although I suspect Ben's real age is like 150. I'm but actually in- 50 years old. I don't look it, but. <laughs> A lot of miles in the clock, but just not showing at the moment. And I am like a Bosk. I'm going to try and have each one of my little names be a bounty hunter-centric thing. Last time you were Dengar High Voltage, which I rather enjoyed. I I was Dengar, Dengar High Voltage. But anyway, enough nonsense, because uh, we're here to discuss Chapter 3, The Sin, written of course, once again, by John Favreau, directed by Deborah Chow, which is the first time that a woman has directed any... Thing in a Star Wars live action capacity, and quite frankly, I'm furious
1: about damn time. Um, oh, yeah. yes,
0: that, that's not what I'm furious about. I'm furious that a woman has directed some of Star course Wars, right? Yeah, yeah, this is an outrage. Uh, political is, uh,
1: correctness gone mad, <laughs> yeah. you know. I mean, what what next? A woman it, directing a Marvel movie? Come on,
0: what's that about? You know, yeah. know your place, women, and <laughs> and now I've catered to another demographic of. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's, it's fantastic and it is absolutely uh, about damn time indeed and she will direct at least one other episode of, of this, this show um, coming up. But before we get into it, I'm going to give you a quick rundown of what happens in this episode just in case you have forgotten. So in this episode, Mando the Mandalorian, played of course by Pedro Pascal and a, <laughs> a growing number of stuntmen, <laughs> finally delivers the child to the client, played of course by Ferner Herzog. Uh, he then uses the best Beskar steel that he receives as payment to upgrade his armor, including a rather handy deployment of something called Whistling Birds, which may come in useful later on the episode. Who knows? Then Lenny has an attack, not of the clones, but of the conscience, and so he goes to war, breaking the bounty hunter's code to rescue Baby Yoda from Herzog's evil clutches. But in doing so, he becomes, like John Wick, a mark for every bounty hunter on the planet. The name of the planet escapes me, and he is only bailed out at the last second by the arrival of a squad of his fellow Mandalorians, because this is the way. This is the way.
2: You've given that whole summary, but actually you've missed out on the most important bit, which is that this is the episode in which the Mandalorian decides to give Yoda the tiny ball. That's the whole episode. Him making the active choice to let Baby Yoda have that tiny little ball that screws onto one of the lever things in his fancy ship.
0: That's so adorable. Technical terms, eh? Yeah.
2: That's the arc.
1: I think I think what's what's great about this episode is you actually see that he's having qualms of conscience way before um, he actually turns back and and does the thing. He, like from the moment he gets in there with with the child, he knows he's doing the wrong thing. He absolutely knows he's doing the wrong thing. He does it anyway. And then he feels like shit for the next 20 minutes until he basically turns around and goes, all right, fuck it. I'm going to have to get the kid out of there bollocks you know he's, he, he, like it's in every movement it's in every conversation he has with anybody mm-hmm. he's all like I want to get off planet but no please don't cl- congratulate me on this job it was a shit show like I don't no stop being nice to me I don't deserve you to be nice to me this is terrible everything's terrible oh my god so you know <laughs> I, I like that we got quite as much guilt as we did. Maybe it's my Catholic background. I don't know. See,
3: I particularly enjoyed the part. You know, when he walks into the cantina to see Grief Carga and he's mm. wearing his new Beskar Steel, and you almost think it should have been shot in slow mo with Barry White playing his dun 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 <laughs> dun dun. dun, dun. And he kind of goes in and everyone turns to look at him in his new pimped out <laughs> bounty hunter sort of threads. Uh, it's it's great. I love it. He's got extra but he can't swagger even enjoy in his them. walk.
1: Yeah, but he <laughs> he does have extra them. swagger. <laughs> Oh. But, so but he's still kind of not enjoying them. He's he's like ashamed of them there. They've become a red letter at that point, I feel yeah. like. Yes. Um it it takes a little while. So mm.
0: I, I, before we get to dig into that as well, I love that this is basically like um the, the good the bad and the ugly in a way and that he is like Eastwood does in that movie, which is a prequel actually to the to the rest of the films in the Daughters trilogy. He's Picking up his costume along the way, so he gets a little mm. a little mm. shoulder piece in episode one, and now he's getting the full the full armor with the whistling birds. And you know where, where else can he go? I want him to have like a Liberace style cape by the end of this. I want him to have a glittering gold jetpack. I want him to have a grand piano. Mm-hmm. I want him to have the whole kit and caboodle.
1: He does mention he wants the jetpack, so it's all to play for.
2: He needs the jetpack on his back, and then on his front he needs one of those little backpacks that you put a baby in. So he's got a little baby on his front.
1: (laughs) Baby (laughs) Yoda monitor. Baby
0: Yoda monitor made out of Beskar steel. That'd be incredible. (laughs) We
1: we love that. Where do we feel this falls in the in the ranks of the um, action scenes where the hero is also holding a baby in one arm?
3: (laughs) (laughs) It's like it's like it's Star Wars answer to hard boiled.
1: Yeah, there's uh, hard-boiled, there's uh, shoot 'em up uh, had yeah. it as well, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fast and Furious um, 8. Fast and Furious 8. <laughs> Who couldn't forget? Jason Statham
2: and the baby.
0: <laughs> yeah that's the only one in which the uh, the hero uh, Deckard Shaw of course heavily retconned um, <laughs> um, uses a baby what do they call those things baby, baby carrier, carrier. Yeah. baby carrier to actually hit someone in the face with uh, which is which is good <laughs> but no one has yet used the baby as a weapon and um, uh, open you know, goal
1: there people come on
0: yeah yeah really think about these things uh, maybe in, in season two we'll, we'll get to see baby Yoda thrown at someone or, or
1: I mean something. Te- technically maybe the baby was used as a weapon in episode two given that he you know defeats the mudhorn
0: yes true but i'm i'm talking more in a sort of human shield kind of way <laughs> you're a monster
1: um, you are a monster
0: <laughs> i have a
3: logistical question for you how the okay. fuck do those tracking fobs work like, like yes. he, he points at the i'm like what is the baby got an implant like how does this tracking fob know where this baby is anywhere in the universe like these these mm. tracking fobs seem to have some weird clairvoyant ability and i get that they're different from the you know the little bounty hunter pucks. uh hashtag who gives a puck but um but I, I, these things they stay strain credulity to me
0: <laughs> That's yeah, I, what you, uh,
3: yes, I have issue with the tracking fobs. That's my only issue.
1: I was wondering the same thing. Like there, there has to be an implant or something that could presumably be removed to, you know, deactivate the well, tracking. You'd fobs. Think, wouldn't you? You'd think.
3: I demand but, an explanation.
0: But maybe, oh, I don't know, because surely the tracking, the tracker in Baby Yoda, and again, if you've not listen to the last episode we know that the character's name is not Baby Yoda but that's what we're going with um, perhaps the tracker has been turned off because at the end of the episode it's Mando who's the mark so perhaps all the bounty hunters have a tracker implanted in them and it goes against the, the bounty hunter's code to use that to track someone down for nefarious purposes but perhaps because he has he has broken the rules of the guild mm. Excommunicado his tracker yeah it's Mando John Wick, is excommunicado it really is. It really is. <laughs> this episode is John Wick 2. It's just in a microcosm. Um, I'm here for it. What, yeah, what do we make of this episode overall, just in terms of, you know, it's, it's a very interesting one. Um, again, it's, it's it, it fairly slight in terms of its running time. It's, what, about 36 minutes? Mm. Something like that? And uh, actually, it's a, uh, slight,
3: it's a slight bit longer, this one, I think. Maybe 40? Somewhere yeah, around 40? I think, 40? I think okay. this one's around 40.
0: How does it advance the plot? How does it advance well, actually, their central
3: relationships? Well, I think this one's an interesting one because it does do more heavy lifting than we've had so far in terms of plot and world building. So you get a few different elements to this one. So first of all, you see, uh, he goes to the back to the Mandalorian sort of covert, sort of in the sewers. And you get that, Discussion which he has with the large Mandalorian about where the Beskar steel comes from. He said, this is the result mm-hmm. of the purge. The Imperials have essentially plundered this stuff. So you get the idea that the Mandalorians have suffered at the hands of the Imperials, uh, 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 that this purge is a thing. And they talk about how, you know, we hide down here. We only go out one at a time. So that gives you an idea of the fact that no one knows that these Mandalorians are down there. I think Werner Herzog at one point also says, you know, Mandalorians are hard to find. It's like, well, they're right beneath your feet, mate. clearly not looking very hard. But them. Um, <laughs> Exactly. But, you know, so there's lots of that. And when when he says, when Grief Karga says to to Mando, it's like, well, if it makes you feel so bad, like the Imperials are no longer a thing, the Empire is no longer a thing. If it makes you feel bad, go back to the core and report them to the new republic. Uh, And then Mando goes, what a joke, you know, which gives you an idea that on the Outer Rim, this sort of new republic doesn't really extend that far. Like you know, there's, mm-hmm. a, there's there's sort of limitations to its influence. So I think we get we get a real understanding of of the state of the universe in this. And also, I love the the rules. I like the idea that the bounty hunters the bounty hunters are kind of uh, you know they're amoral. They do all this, but they have a very strict code. And he violates the code, and he is made excommunicado. And I think that's great.
1: But he doesn't violate the Mandalorian code. Event. He no, it's a the code. bounty yes, hunter. Sorry. Code. Did I say Mandalorian? Yeah. Oh. Sorry, no, no, but- you didn't. But oh, I just I wanted not. to be yeah. clear because you were talking about the Mandalorians just before. Yeah, so because- that's
3: separate. Yeah. So the bounty hunter yeah. has a code, yeah.
1: Yeah. But I, and I like that we learn more about the Mandalorian code and a bit mm. more about their I mean, we've we've already heard mention of the Foundlings, but it's repeated here, which just makes it clear yes. that this is a big thing for them. We get a few more like tiny flashbacks to his backstory. Which is, is, and there's
3: lots of tantalising stuff there, because you see battle droids invading his home planet, uh, and and that's interesting, so it's like, is it the Separatists, is this, you know, the Clone Wars, like, because the timeline works to about then, you know, why the Separatists attacking, and then Mm. clearly he was nearly killed by a battle droid, presumably saved by Mandalorians, uh, Mm. and that explains why he doesn't like droids very much. Yes, he's the yes. Um,
2: he's the third of the recent Star Wars protagonists who, as a child, his parents had to run away and put him in a hole or leave him on his own. Because um, <laughs> you got that's exactly what happened to Ray. That's exactly what happened to, G- to oh, Jinso sure. in uh, in Rogue One. They've they've really yeah. liked that trope. At it the happens moment. a lot.
1: I mean, is it is it because neither owned by Disney? All the parents have to die. Is that yeah, like the yeah. rule? Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. That's the rule. Yeah, see, so Disney Prince kind of like it. <laughs> you know, he I, might Baby
2: Yoda definitely is. I like
3: the little <laughs> fight he has with the with the burly Mandalorian in in mm. the cover where they have that and they break out whip out vibro blades, which is quite a nice touch. You see them kind of like shimmering, uh, and then Golly. you know she talks them down, and they're both like, "This is the way." And actually, you know, at the end of the episode where they have that shared moment where he's like, "Get out of here," and he's like, "You'll have to move the cover," and he just goes, "This is the way." And it's like, oh, that really got me. That I was like, there's a real yeah. solidarity between them. It's lovely.
1: Yeah, yeah I, did. I really liked just the, the, the texture of that in terms of, you know, we disagree, we butt heads, we're all terribly manly men, but at the end of the day, we <laughs> share the same code and, yeah, you know, family. we're going to work together, yeah.
0: Uh, he, of course, is uh, Paz Fizzler and he is voiced by John Favreau.
1: Hey, is he
0: now? That I didn't know he is indeed uh so that's a that's a that's a fun little little favs cameo there and maybe you know who favs of course has already been part of the star wars universe in solo and uh maybe we'll see him physically uh as pete becker reprising his role from friends that'd be tremendous <laughs> i don't know how you would make that work but but make that work um yeah the, the mandalorian stuff's really really interesting uh the the idea that this whole episode pivots on Mando's guilt, and Mando's conscience, and the, the his his own code as well. He's very very true to his own code in this, and he goes back in and he rescues Baby Yoda. We didn't discuss this on the last episode. Why do you think that Baby Yoda has got through the armor surrounding Mando's heart? Uh, because it's a pretty much instantaneous thing in the first in the first chapter. Have you do, seen do Baby think- Yoda, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> Good point. All right, moving on to the next question.
2: <laughs> his yeah, I... ears flapped in the wind in this episode. Oh my And God. my heart oh. melted. That That is one of my notes that I've written down, Baby Yoda's flappy ears. Deborah Chow is the only director to give us Baby Yoda's flappy ears. Let that's her true. do more. And he squeaks when Mando picks him up in the cockpit to move him. He does a little... when he, looks him down, he, he like, picks oh him up. God. By the scruff of his neck. Yeah, The scruff of his neck. He it's just amazing. grabs the back of him and just like,
3: plonks him yeah. down. So that's my favorite internet meme. Was, I don't think it's actually from this episode. Though, but it's one of baby Yoda in the cut co- where he's turning on the things and so you have people have cut in music videos they cut throw a toss a coin to your witcher uh it's I love it love
1: it yeah yeah, yeah I think it's it's mostly the fact that baby Yoda is unstoppably cute and I think also just it is this focus on findlings there's a sense of you know he has a code as a bounty hunter he's willing to do a lot for that code but like adorable infants really are we mm. is that what who we are is that what we're doing that seems like maybe not quite such a thing he was um, a foundling
3: mandalorian seems to have built their society on the kind of yeah. concept of foundlings and taking foundlings in so yeah it's it's kind of a, a personal thing for him isn't it i like the the, the thing they talk about with the mudhorn where she's like do you want that you've earned the mudhorn as your crest and he's like i didn't earn it i was helped by an enemy and he, you see him wrestling with that mm. and when he said How, why did an enemy help you it's like well, he didn't know he was an enemy at the time <laughs> and he's kind yeah. of thinking is he my enemy or is he the cutest creature in the universe
2: <laughs>
1: it's like he's trying to convince himself he was his enemy you know yeah. and he's it, it uh, and that he was justified in what he didn't and he clearly fails yeah. in doing so
0: who's a cute enemy who's <laughs> the cutest enemy of them all who's our enemy you are such a cute enemy um do we think i'm gonna throw this one in uh do we think that baby yoda is perhaps manipulating uh mando using the force. We, we've seen in Star Wars that that perhaps the force can be used to manipulate those who may, perhaps aren't of uh, strong will, which Mando certainly is, uh, or perhaps of, of weak mind, which Mando certainly isn't. So I don't think this is a thing. How dare you? Do we you? think that might be a factor? He's using How the force of cuteness. That's the only yeah. force he's using.
1: <laughs> I just, I don't think, I don't think he's that Machiavellian. Um, perhaps I'm being horrifically naive and wooed by his gigantic black eyes but I just don't think he, he would have it in him perhaps
3: uh, fair, perhaps fair actually is, we're not seeing a, like when Mando walks out of the room Baby Yoda turns to the camera and goes everything is proceeding as I have this," <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and it's actually Palpatine's soul inhabits Baby Yoda and he's another one of Palpatine's clones <laughs> yeah limited like, power yes. before he tried want- Snoke he tried Baby Yoda <laughs> yeah.
0: want this don't you strike me down um Downstrike me? Downstrike Down me. me. <laughs> Weapon take this. <laughs> Overconfidence in your
1: friends you have.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, i mangling fucking you emperor really, quotes yeah. here left, right, and center. Our Not even unlimited. remotely close to the original thing.
1: Faith in your friends, your weakness is, I think. That's thank it. you, that that is thank is you, it. thank that
0: you. <laughs> it's Luke who says you're overconfident, this is your weakness. I always yeah. get that yeah. wrong. <laughs> you're faith in your friend your yours. Friends
1: is yours. Your friend is
0: yours. Anyway, anyway. Um, so one last thing about the uh, the Mando-Yoda relationship. Uh, is it in danger of becoming repetitive? In terms of, this is twice now we've seen mando change his mind at the 11th hour because he just can't get over how cute those little baby black eyes are and uh you know he does it at the end of chapter one um Mm -hmm. and he does it again here and i would hope we don't see that happen too often in the remaining five chapters
1: i I think think at this point we know we know they're on the same side you know i think at this point he's just all in for baby yoda like the entire world
0: (laughs) manda was the first he was the first to see the true power of this fully armed and operational Baby Yoda. Um, <laughs> the original right. stand. <laughs> 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 yeah, <laughs> no choice but the stand, has he? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so this is a, a bit of a, an interesting slow burn of an episode that explodes into action as it goes on. So we have that great sequence where Mando infiltrates the client's base and just fucks up a whole bunch of of ex-stormtroopers yeah or you know people pretending to be stormtroopers or whatever and really it's grubby really stormtroopers like how filthy oh, yeah. are those stormtroopers they have let themselves go there's no question about it what do we think of this sequence i really liked
2: um that it was quite like a slow paced action set piece like he's just slowly striding through the corridors picking them off one by one i like that there was a sense of power to the time that he's taking over just sort of gradually striding round to get to baby yoda it's not he's not dashing in and he's not it's not frantic it's there's something very cool about how controlled he is in those situations he doesn't get flustered in mm. uh, it's not that kind of he's scrapping against the odds he's like it tells you a lot about his prowess as a fighter and the way that he approaches these things that he just he just strides in and he gets the job done
1: yeah, it's also a, a kind of a throwback to the first episode where he was surrounded by four of them and they say something like, it's four on one, and he goes, I like those odds. Um, <laughs> and and he did uh, like those odds because uh, he uses the whistling birds, of course, this time against four of them, and boom.
3: I, I saw that coming. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. like when she's like, whistling
2: birds are a powerful defence against multiple enemies. Like, oh, that might prove helpful later in the episode. Yeah. <laughs> <But> <laughs> also I li- I li- saying... Uh- Uh, You're not going to get many of them So use them sparingly Five minutes later Use us all of them (laughs) All of them I also like This is the first time We've seen the
3: Star Wars iteration Of the game Knock down Ginger uh, Where he just rings the doorbell And
1: runs away (laughs) 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 yeah that was funny I also like that when they when he blew a hole in the wall and they came in to investigate obviously he was already in the room waiting quietly in a corner and snuck up behind them as they looked out through the hole of course he did because that was just the most stylish possible approach the
3: question of um, course is where is Herzog during all of this because he's he's conspicuously mm. absent presumably gone to the pub with his enormous great imperial medal which for some reason I'd forgotten about have you think he's wearing what looks like an Olympic gold medal in the shape of the imperial <laughs> around his neck like a kind of I don't know what it is but it's massive blinging thing
1: maybe it's the equivalent the imperial equivalent of the medal that Han gets and Luke gets at the Battle of Yavin
3: yeah for doing something you know. good see it, yeah. made, it made me think of Jimmy Savile but then I thought that's probably not the oh, best no. parallel to draw
1: <laughs> really no. not no No,
3: please I mean he's a villain
0: no he, he this is very very true this is very true and
3: but this more people
0: into- in anything Star Wars yeah. has, uh, has conjured up yet I include the people who blew up planets uh, <laughs> in that one um yeah Herzog's, Herzog's uh, tremendous work is he and also this is the first time we really get a sense of his relationship with uh, Dr. Pershing and they don't seem to be equals. Pershing seems to be mm. very much in his thrall in, in, in some way and do we do we believe that? Do we believe that Pershing has has been instrumental in keeping baby Yoda alive? Yeah, I think so. He seems yeah. to genuinely care
3: like his first impulse when Mando comes into the room is don't hurt him, it's just a child like he seems to be trying to protect uh, good old baby Yoda so we mm. can't be all mad.
1: I mean, he uh, may it, he may be protecting him. F- he may be protecting him for scientific reasons to mm. kind of keep experimenting on him. He's maybe trying to figure out what makes him force sensitive or something like that. So he may not be pure of motive, but he's kind of relatively pure of results. If mm. you know what I mean, I think he does yeah. want to keep him alive.
2: It's, it seems to check out as well with that conversation that Mando overhears when he's on the roof and he uses his sort of. Predator vision to see the that. heat signature through the wall, and he hears the conversation and and what Doctor Pershing says about like, oh, I've been basically trying to stave Vern Herzog off. I'm trying to like delay him bringing any harm to this little thing. Is also what he says to Mando when mm-hmm. Mando breaks in. So I I trust this guy. I trust that he's also just indebted to how cute Baby Yoda is, mm. and <laughs> I will not take any betrayal on
3: that. I love that weapon that he uses when he when he looks through the viewfinder with, for his predator vision. I love that the it's all slightly shonky and staticky and crackly. Like it's a real sort of like original Star Wars
2: feel to it. That, again, that used yeah.
3: universe thing. Uh,
2: the texture of that is beautiful. One of my favourite things in this that felt like classic Star Wars, you know, um, in the cantina, you've got the um, modal nodes and you've got Greedo and then you've got a guy who's literally just in a werewolf costume. Um, there's a bit in mean, this episode where Mando's taking Baby Yoda in to Werner Herzog, they're walking through the little marketplace, there's a guy that's just like a tiny guy in a red spacesuit. Like there are all these lovely intricate like creature designs and things, and then it's just a small person in a in a little red classic spacesuit. It's like that feels very Star Wars that like there's one person who's just like you went to a costume shop, you got whatever was on sale and you're like you
0: just wear that that's fine that's tremendous um so what do we think the client wants from baby oda we do over here in that conversation he he's, he's talking about extracting something um it seems to me that like he wants his essence in some way what do, what do we think he wants baby mm. oda for can you my extract god. the force does he have a huge midi-chlorian yeah. count does he, he, just, he, want does he, that? he have a, a huge shot of midi does
1: he have a dark crystal of some sort that's going to suck his essence out yeah. oh my god his ping juice uh, yeah, I, I, I honestly, I, I think they are the, the the simplest explanation, maybe, but I think they are experimenting on a force sensitive, to find out what makes him go ooh. That's a technical term.
0: Um, All right. Okay. Good. So. Um, so then. Oh, oh, by the way, I. I. The. The bit where Mando flamethrows huh. a stormtrooper yeah. to completion, so to oh, speak. Oh
1: yeah. I Ooh. mean
0: that's brutal. I mean you say it's brutal. I mean this is a this is a series that started off with uh, Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru being crispy fried, but. Which people seem to forget sometimes. But we see shots <laughs> <laughs> of their charged corpse. That's way
2: to you. <laughs> I know. How
3: it's is
0: right that a you?
3: It's really dark. <laughs> and Vader, like, crushes a guy's neck in the first five minutes, chokes him and hurls him against a wall.
0: But here in this episode, we have Mando flamethrowing a stormtrooper. Um, it's pretty full-on shit. I mean, this mm. would be, what, a 12.
1: Yeah, yeah that was so. a lot.
2: They, t- his like, two-pronged weapon as well, it just like fully disintegrates people, but there's always a bit of like burning ash floating through the air as well. That, there's something about that that feels really intense. Is it, is a, it as giving as you flashbacks go. to
1: Infinity War? Are you okay?
2: Oh my God, the dust floating through the air. It's oh. a Thanos cannon, I love it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> of course you do, of course you do. Surely a Thanos cannon would just uh, remove 50% of the people that he's fighting, <laughs> yeah. wouldn't it? I don't know. True. But uh, that's that's a pretty. Uh, I love that sequence because it shows Mando using stealth and using his 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 mm-hmm. guile and using his wiles. Uh, the next segment is much more kind of balls out action as as he tries to head towards his ship and suddenly finds that he is targeted by every bounty hunter in the Parsec, and uh, it doesn't look good for for Mando for a while, but he gives as good as he gets, mm. uh, up until the point where he's totally and utterly pinned down. <laughs> what do we make of, of this action sequence?
1: There are some great bits to that, because first of all, there's the walk out of the uh, out of the building with the baby under his arm, like, la la la, nothing to see here, guys, just <laughs> taking a walk to my ship, no big deal, trying to look all kind of inconspicuous. And then there's that fantastic shot of the bar with all the red lights going going on one by one on everybody's tracker i just thought that was that was so kind of stylish and you're like oh shit it's about to go (laughs) down oh no and
3: then grief Um, cargo gives him grief about his cargo Hey! Hey!
1: I mean, he's been grief waiting cargo. To, it,
3: <laughs> to let that one out.
1: <laughs> grief cargo by name, grief cargo by nature. I mean,
3: <laughs> one one thing unrelated to you know puns uh, is uh, one bit of law that we also got here was the sort of ethos around the helmet that you know have Ur. you ever removed your helmet? No. Has an enemy ever removed your helmet? And he's like, no. And you're like, okay, well, they're you know logistical issues mm. aside. That's an interesting. <laughs> <laughs> <Fact>. <laughs> just v- Im- imagining him just like what else do you do with your helmet on this is very weird but
0: uh yeah <laughs> do you think he walks around in the nut just for his he- say for his helmet he's just helmet you know, well plural. the one up here the one up here yeah yeah showers in yeah. it everything
3: it's like like yeah. like Frank papier- Sidebottom bottom essentially is what I'm
0: saying <laughs> <laughs> giant papier maché head um and at the end of the episode, of course, there are more helmets than a Bukaki party. But yep. uh, anyway, we shouldn't, oh, we shouldn't dwell on such matters. And, um Is that staying in? <laughs> I don't know. I'll check with the guy who edits it. Um, oh, wait, it's me. Yes, it's staying in. Of course it's fucking staying in. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's really interesting. My, my wife watched this episode with me and she was like, how does he sleep? How do any of them sleep? Not just in terms of the lives they've taken and the cost of their souls, but logistically, how do they fucking sleep?
1: I think, I think they're allowed to take it off, just not in public. Yes. This, I think on their own, that's fine. I,
3: this, I think, will become, will become clearer
2: as episodes go on.
1: Mm. It's got to be. Do you see his pillow, How and there's just eat? a
2: huge indentation <laughs> where, his, where his helmet fits in. <laughs> helmet shaped indent his he's, he's got a memory foam memory pillow. Foam. <laughs>
0: well, in, well, inside the helmet? Yes. He's got like, no, one of no. those ostrich things that he just, oh, know, maybe. He, it, may, it allows him to sleep standing up. <laughs> Who
2: knows? It's Star Wars. They've got all kinds of technology. He's probably got double. He's got an actual pillow pillow with a big memory foam dip in it, and he's also got extra padding in the helmet. It's the only way. <laughs> <laughs> do you think he's got Bluetooth? what connecting his helmet what to so he can like listen to podcasts in his sleep do you think yeah. he's listening to this one yeah. like why, why are these four giggling idiots narrating my life <laughs> i mean if you're looking to get to
0: sleep you could do a lot worse than listen to this podcast <laughs> in fairness um so anyway at the end of the episode then he is saved by the men and women Deloreans uh who come out en masse to help him out uh, because this is the way uh what do we make of the end of this
2: deus ex mandaloria yes (laughs) um i have to say this was my least favorite part maybe of the show so far controversial uh, it's not necessarily saying anything too bad because i've really enjoyed everything else at the moment um there was something about this that felt a bit more marvel than star wars to me i don't know if it's the idea or the execution but it i don't know it suddenly felt like it felt like quite a shift in tone in the show. I think because so much of it has been him on the ground, gunslinging, and then the fact that like loads of them literally swoop in out of the skies on jetpacks and they're all soaring around in the air and saving him. I was like, oh, this, I don't know, it had a slightly different tone to it.
1: Did you did um, you hear a mental on your left in there <laughs> somewhere?
2: It had a bit of an on your left. I think also just because of the Marvel stuff, we've seen so many flying superheroes who sort of shoot stuff out of the air. And I know... Um, that obviously we've seen um, uh, uh, Boba Fett with his jetpack and so we know Jaguar. that they have jetpacks and they fly and all this sort of stuff. But um, yeah, having so many of them swoop in, I think it visually sort of triggered a lot of um, Iron Man 3, all the suits <laughs> swooping in at the end kind of vibes, um, which is not a bad thing, but it didn't feel the most Star Warsy to me. I don't know, maybe that's just me.
1: I know what you mean. There's definitely that... Um that association i think in our heads right now but at the same time you know, you, you know like you, like you also say the jetpack is well established as a factor of potentially mandalorian armor so i'm i am willing to allow it just cuz huh. jetpacks woo <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah I, I, I like it a lot but it's that classic sort of idea isn't it you know the ambush you're surrounded but it's like aha no you're surrounded like, I love that the kind of the, the switchback idea and it was you know it was great then come down the big Mandalorian Favs uh, turns out with his massive repeating blaster cannon and it's just like and it's great and it's a real sort of like cavalry
0: comes charging in moment that's mm. cool I mean he's like he's like Blaine from Predator with the, uh, the big yeah, yes. all painless but- <laughs> It's just so good. And then uh, I, I just love that shot at the end of him flying alongside Mando's ship, which is yeah. just full on roadie. It's, Superman. <laughs> you know, yeah, well, it's the Superman, but it's also like, you know, John Favreau has, as I said in the previous episode, you can tell that John Favreau has form in, uh, in, you know, content in which Masked men fly around in in armored suits, <laughs> uh, and it, it was very very reminiscent. I mean, they're they're mm. pretty much. I'm sure there are shots in uh, the MCU which are exactly like that. Rhodey flying alongside Tony, and whatnot. So um, maybe those two can can have uh, their own show down the line. Right. Um, so then it ends. Obviously, it ends as it began. It's quite a circular episode in that in that way, um, with Bando uh, flying off, and uh, and then of course the episode ends with uh, Baby Yoda playing with his knob, which is. <laughs> Just just wholesome family fun. Oh, boy. Anyway, so that was pretty much the episode. Uh, anything else you want to say about it? We do have some questions from listeners. Anything else? Any, any other points you wanted to raise?
1: I have a quick question about Beskar Steel, actually, because the amounts we see Mando bringing in are not huge, right? Um, and yet they make quite substantial-looking armor... So are they merely a thin coating on the armor? Because we know they make quite substantial looking armor and there's supposed to be some left over to fund the foundlings. So do they only like coat the outside of the armor or something? Mm-hmm. Like is it a sort of a lighter inner core that then you just put steel over the it's outside and it's an a really thin layer?
3: Interesting question. I, there's quite, there's, if you think about what it actually forges, so it's one thigh piece, one pauldron and the chest, the cuirass. So actually, you might have enough to do it based on that and the,
1: but, and the whistling birds uh,
3: but then the whistling birds are very small but but then I'm yeah. wondering but then also it is an alloy isn't it so maybe this is the Beskar maybe the, Me- the Beskar is sort of smelted with steel to make it kind of an, an alloy thing and that's why it goes a bit further
1: oh so this is Beskar but not Beskar steel
3: I don't know I don't know so
1: it's a is Beskar a thing that you add to steel, or is it a description of a kind well, of steel, like stainless? Well, on
3: Wikipedia, they, do just, they just describe Thanks. it as a, <laughs> as an alloy, and they describe it as Beskar steel. So perhaps, you're right, perhaps this is the Beskar, it's smelted with the steel, and that's why it goes further. Or maybe this is the Beskar alloy, and they're just not very good with, you know, metallurgy and, and, and volume. Oh,
0: no. If you know really would... the answer to this question, kill yourself, first of all. <laughs> but... But also, if you do know the answer to this question, if you are, for example, a Star Wars blacksmith, if you're the do write <laughs> in. <laughs> yeah. if, yes, if you're the armourer, then do, by all means, do write in and, uh, and let us know, because um, we're just itching to find out, as you can imagine. <laughs> uh, and so Deborah Chow, as, as we know, the first uh, female director to helm a Star War. Uh, uh-huh. And uh, what do we make of her efforts behind the camera?
1: I thought, I thought it was a good-looking episode and uh, a pretty well-paced one. Mm. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I think it's always kind of hard with a TV show because there's a style established and everybody is more or less, you know, adhering to that style. But, um, you know, it, it's I think it's a good episode. I don't know what to say.
3: It is a good episode, yes. I enjoy this a lot. I think this... Uh this is it's kind of a good run these first three and uh, mm. and, and it kind of rounds out the kind of bringing because in many ways these first three episodes are essentially like the pilot aren't they those three tell the 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 arc which sets up the format of the show so uh yeah it's uh, it's great mm. it's a great it's great it's beautifully shot it's well paced the action works really well uh and it gives you all mm. the feels as well and did we mention the flapping ears
1: <laughs> <laughs> and And I do feel like we've now set up our odd couple. We you know, mm. we have this big, strong, silent type of of Mando himself and the super cute sidekick um, are now an actual team as opposed to having been reluctantly put together. Yeah.
0: And he's just so mischievous as well. Like, I love the way that he just climbs out of his little crib. Before mm-hmm. before the episode at the, at the beginning of the episode in the cold open, and he's just obsessed with that handle, isn't he? He's just he just really really wants. If, sorry guys, there's no better word. He really wants that knob. He does. And also he takes it
3: away, leaving Mando to look over at his little gear set and goes, "Where's the handle?
0: Where is it? Help me find it." <laughs> That's oh, nice no. because this is this is an episode actually um, in which there. I think the whistling birds thing is perhaps a little inelegant, but it's also an episode in which there's quite a lot of foreshadowing and quite a lot of setup, setups that are paid off later on. And I quite like that the, that the handle, the knob, whatever you want to call it, the little button, whatever it is, uh, plays a pivotal role in in changing Mando's mind mm. uh, when he goes, to, mm. goes to, to, to press a lever to get out of there. And it's like, oh no, he's taken it, hasn't he? ah the little shit I gotta go back and get him you little prick that's, that's basically <laughs> his, his motivation
1: think, isn't the knob what, I think the knob is there but through unattached his, through his
0: helmet <laughs> isn't oh, is the knob it? there thought, but unattached yeah because he t-
1: okay. he takes it back from the baby but he just doesn't put it back on I don't think
0: oh okay think. fair enough fair enough uh, but yeah but I still love to let that set mm-hmm. up and paid off later on and also the thing with Grief Karga and his Beskar Steel uh, which in true traditional World War One western type style you know I got shot but it hit my Bible or mm-hmm. I got shot but it hit my sheriff's badge he gets uh, he gets hit in the uh, in the chest but the Beskar right the Steel best saves him <laughs> indeed indeed
2: there's a bit earlier in the episode uh where grief carger is talking about uh spice he's saying oh you should go and get some spice is that so has how long has spice been a part of the star wars universe because obviously Always. there's all the spice runnery stuff mm. in in rise mm. of skywalker does that go way back well
1: yeah it's, oh, it's, it's mentioned yeah. in yeah. the original star
3: wars when he says we'll be uh you know it's the spice right. mines of kessel
0: i mentioned mm.
1: Mm. So, yes uh, we'll yeah watch.
0: of course Primarily, it's, you know, Han does smuggle spice. That's what—that's one of the things he does. He's a big old and, and drug cocaine. Also, speaking of things that are kind of like a, a more adult nod uh, in this universe, mm-hmm. uh, when Grief carcass says, "Oh hey, take yourself off to the twilight Healing Baths and uh, <laughs> yeah, you know." You know, get yourself sorted out. You know what I'm saying? I don't Ooh. want to live
2: up to my stereotype of being the young, naive one of the group, but I genuinely thought, he's, I genuinely thought he was talking about a lovely spa. <laughs> well, oh,
1: well, bless you. Bless I mean, you. it's a kind I of thought, spa. I thought, do you know
2: what? When when this self-isolation quarantine is over, I'm going to go to the Twilight Healing Baths and just have a big soak.
1: Is that what, what the thought. kids are calling it these days? Yes. My goodness.
0: Unfortunately, grief cargo means get yourself a massive handy. That's what Race. it is. A handalorian. That's what he's
1: getting
0: at. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Cheeky handos?
1: I mean, are we. Touch the helmet.
0: We, <laughs> oh, God.
1: We, have we only ever really seen Twilight girls in Star Wars history?
3: Uh, no, Bib Fortuna is a, a Twilight.
1: Oh, okay, fine. All
3: right. uh, although, you know, we know he's never been to the Twilight Keeling Pass before because he does get asked by the armourer if anyone has ever pulled his helmet off. And he says no. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, my word. That would normally be the way to finish this podcast on the happiest of happy endings. But we do have some listener questions <laughs> to take. Uh, here's the first one. It comes from Aaron Gould on Twitter. Uh, if you want to ask me any, if you want to have any questions, by the way, read out uh, on these, these podcasts, we're going episode by episode, chapter by chapter. So do slide into my DMs. My DMs are open and ask us questions about chapters four and onwards. So anyway, I am Aaron Gould on Twitter. Asks on a scale of from one to 10, how strong was your nerdgasm? when the uh, Twilight healing bass note when the Mandalorians came to the rescue in the end oh a solid 9 ooh
1: I would say about a 7 or an 8 <sighs> I mean it wasn't you know on your left no but it wasn't portals but it was pretty
0: special but very few things are I know and but like way, that's
1: a 10 right
0: yeah it's absolutely a 10 we should probably talk about that at some point Helen write that down that's a good we'll idea somebody portals. write that down let's um, talk about portals but uh, I know Ben. Ben was unmoved by it, and Helen. I'm not surprised you were slightly, you know, seven's kind of iffy because it's oh. basically just like watching a Boba Fett convention for you, and that's like that's <laughs> no, that's
1: no. One of I'm your pet hates. I'm beginning to associate these people with something completely different, and, and I'm enjoying that because I don't, as you know, like Boba Fett. But but I'm I, I have warmer and fuzzier feelings about these Mandalorians. They seem like better and more interesting and less shit people. <laughs>
0: Fair enough At James Halley 5 on Twitter asks Is it weird that Carl Weathers looks younger in The Mandalorian Than he does in Happy Gilmore
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well he's been to the Twilight Healing Baths, right So he's feeling pretty That's refreshed right. They have rejuvenating qualities They really do They really really do Yeah he, he looks good for his age He's in his 70s now is old Carl Weathers
1: Jeez But he
0: looks he This looks is what happens good. when
1: you exercise your whole life I think
0: what evidence have you had that Carl Weathers has exercised at any point in his life, Ellen?
1: <laughs> I refer you to Predator. <laughs> yeah, and also Dylan! the Rocky saga bit and know. the Rocky
0: saga. Yeah, um, um, would you, I'd love to see Grief Karga and Mando have a a Dylan and Dutch kind of handshake. That'd be amazing. <laughs> just like arm wrestling for a good five minutes. That's that's my kind of content. Um, Maybe anyway, they could just push I, um, too many pencils. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I am super pleased
3: that they cast Carl Weathers in this because he gets to be the Mandalorian's Creed.
0: Oh, no. Oh. Oh, Oh, no. Yeah, I might cut that out. I'm not sure. Uh, (laughs) At Hannah the editor asks, As the show shows, no signs of passing the Bechdel test so far. In fact, I think we've only met one female character to this point. Do you think the show is pandering to the Star Wars bro backlash? Or is it a bit of a lack of imagination when it comes to the Western DNA of the concept? I think there are some great things about the show, but I must confess that as a female fan, I'm feeling a bit disappointed.
1: Well, you're right. It has no signs of passing Betzdel yet, and the reason I sort of bristled a little bit at Twilight Healing Baths and asked if there were boy, twi- um, boy Twilights is because of my long-standing objection, as you know, to space floozies, This idea that in all of these future-set, otherworldly, you know, environments, we still seem to have female brothels, female-coded brothels catering to male-coded clientele. Uh, we don't know that's th- for sure the case here, though, so I'm not going to ramble on about it too much but yeah there, this is definitely more male coded um and definitely more western so far we obviously know that gina carano is going to be in it so we have reason to believe that that will at least change a little bit uh, mm-hmm. in the coming uh, episodes i mean look not everything needs to be 50 50 i'm not kind of mad at it on that basis um i think our the, the aim is that more things should be 50 50 overall entertainment should be 50 50 um and if there's a few episodes of something that are mostly male then i'm not mad at it but it is a thing you're right absolutely right it doesn't pass Shell, it is, doesn't pass any of the other female coded tests either yeah. actually so yeah it would be nice to see a bit more in there um that's not to say that you know we need a female lead in every star wars thing going that's fine if we don't have that
0: it's it's interesting. Um, We'll we'll get into it. I, I guess we'll get into it more uh, as more female characters come into it, and uh, whether it passes the Bechdel test. Then um, it doesn't have to pass these tests, of course. You know, the first test your story should always pass is: does it work as a piece of storytelling? Does it work as a piece of art? Uh, and then you can apply uh, tests to it of all kinds, of all stripes. But uh, yeah, certainly an interesting one to get into in, in future episodes, I would say.
1: Yeah, it's been. I will say it's been better for a sort of racial diversity than. Um, uh, gender diversity so far you know in in terms of having um people like taika waititi playing roles obviously carl weathers uh you know obviously pedro pascal himself um Mm. so there there's it's not you know as white and straight and male as the original star wars would have been um but it's not yeah flying the flag for super diversity either so far
0: behind the camera though it is it certainly is um you know, in terms of Rick Famuyiwa directing the, the second episode, Deborah Chow directing this, and another episode, Taika Waititi directed an episode mm-hmm. of this, Bryce Dallas Howard makes a directorial debut on the next chapter, Chapter 4, which we'll be talking about next week, of course. So that's encouraging. That's refreshing. That's to be applauded.
1: Yeah, it is. That, that's a really good step in the right direction. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's just, it, it, it does get wearisome to just not see reality uh, reflected in that way that's that's all or not see yourself involved in these stories um And I think most women have become good at identifying with characters who look nothing like us and anyway, because we have to. Um, And I think part of the problem and part of the reason behind the backlash to Ray and to Jyn Erso and all the rest is that men are not used to doing that and have real trouble. And it's genuine trouble. I don't mean to make light of it, but it's genuine trouble identifying with female characters in the same way that women can with male characters, because we've had to be trained into it more. And so you do get this imbalance. But. I, I hope that will change in future. Um, mm. And I certainly hope we get some more female characters in this just for v- variety and to mix things up a bit.
0: Absolutely. All right, just a couple of last questions and then we will move on uh, to the end of the episode and, and go about our daily lives. Uh, so the Geek Pub Quiz uh, on Twitter, which is at Geek Pub Quiz, uh, have made a geeky observation. Uh, did you spot the bucket container that the Mandalorian receives his reward in? Is the same as the infamous ice cream maker carried by a fleeing Cloud City extra in The Empire Strikes Back?
1: I did not. I did not
2: notice this either.
0: Why
1: Wait, is so it there's an ice cream, cream maker? in
2: the Star Wars universe. Do they use blue milk? Does all the ice cream end up blue?
1: No, no, there must be green milk too, right? From that right. Uh, sea creature.
0: Yes. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Good geeky spot there. And then the last question comes from at Sambat. Do you think the episode would have been approved by Ben Mendelsohn eating fruit? I guess I'm asking... Would you like to see Mendo as Mando eating a mango? That's a level we've hit, (laughs)
1: folks.
2: (laughs) If he's wearing the cape that he wore in Rogue One, although he did he die in Rogue One? He he died in Rogue One, right? Mm -hmm. He did, yeah. He proper died. But clone him, get that cape back, give him a mango. I would have no qualms about that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. If you can put Ben Mendelsohn in your movie or TV show, put Ben Mendelsohn in your TV show.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Mendo as Mando eating a mango, dear God. Um, Right, on that bombshell, I think that's probably the note on which to end any podcast. Uh, That is it. Somehow we've gone longer than the episode. (laughs) Hooray! 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 Can't guarantee that for every single episode, but who knows. Uh, Join us next week, of course, when we'll be discussing chapter four, simply entitled Sanctuary sanctuary oh, yeah, maybe it's a Hunchback of Notre Dame remake who knows we shall find out uh, in due course uh, but until then uh, as ever listen to the regular Empire podcast which is out every single Friday lots of fun uh, guaranteed for all the family uh, but until we meet again in Mando Town, it is goodbye from Ben Travis goodbye it is goodbye from James Dyer goodbye it is goodbye from Helen O'Hara
1: this is the way
0: indeed it is We have spoken. Thank you for listening. (laughs) See you next time. Bye.